you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. today. Amen. What a great crowd we have this morning. Give all of our guests a great big God bless you one more time. Thank you for being with us today. I think they have prepared some lunch refreshments and lunch meal for you right after service, right out in the south parking lot outdoors be able to social distance, and it's just a really small fee, just like $3 a person, I think, or something like that, so it's the cheapest lunch in town, and it's not a fundraiser. Of course, if you would like to bless, you're welcome to do so, but uh, this is about celebrating with our graduates and just fellowshipping together since we've had such a long space of time of separation, and finally, today, we are able to assemble with a group of about 100, so we're expecting about 100 or however many's here to join us today, and we're glad that you can, and we're outdoors, and so to all of our guests, thank you to our graduates, God bless you, and uh, it's just a, it's a great, great day. Brittany, it's good to see you and your kids with us today, amen, welcome home. Psalm chapter 32. Brother Sister Gilliland are with us today. God bless you and thank you for being with us. I shouldn't have started calling names, but thank you all. Psalm chapter 32, Jeremiah chapter 12, Isaiah 43. A lot of reading today. I don't normally do this, but I felt to do so today. Psalm 32 verse 8, Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5, and Isaiah chapter 43 verse number 2, beginning with Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Jeremiah 12 and 5, 
If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trusteth, they wearied thee, then how will thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? Isaiah 43, verse number 2, When thou passeth through the waters. You kind of see this thread now. We're kind of bringing together from multiplicity of Scripture today. When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now, I know when I just read Isaiah 43 and 2, everybody here probably thought, well, pastor and the music team got together and planned this last song and this text, but I can tell you this is the first time they've heard the text, and I just saw the service schedule when I walked onto the front. So God's wanting to speak to somebody today, and I think this is a confirmation. I think this is confirmation that God has a word for somebody in this building today. I'm going to preach how we will face the future. God, we need you this morning to show up. I believe you have already confirmed your word here at the very beginning. But now, God, I pray that your spirit and your power moves upon every heart and every believer that is in this room today. And, Lord, you touch us and you speak to us and you direct us and you let us know the steps that we should take as we approach the future. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It goes without saying that we are facing some of the most challenging times in history. And I definitely know it's the most challenging time in my lifetime. And the church is facing some extremely challenging times. The church has always dealt with challenging times. From its very inception, in the very beginning, in the birth and formidable years of the church, the church faced some extreme hardships and struggles. We have, over the last several years, been living in a time perhaps that the church has never known, and that is a time when the church has had the lack of persecution. If you study church history all through historical times of the church, the church has always been met with difficulty and struggle. Even in my father's lifetime, things that, stories that I heard him tell in his 86 years of life and 50 plus years of serving the Lord in his beginning days of ministry. I remember him telling stories of preaching tent meetings and hearing stories of our late bishop, Brother Price, talking about having rotten tomatoes thrown 
or tent flaps being cut in the south from tent meetings. Brush arbors being burned down. But in my lifetime, and in most of your lifetimes, we have never truly known persecution like our forefathers have dealt with. And certainly not persecution like the early church has known. We have lived in a day of absolute blessing and outpouring. Truly, we have been serving God in some of the greatest, most opportune times for evangelism and outreach and growth. And the world has opened up and Walls have been broken down and around the world the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been preached freely. We have been living in some incredible times but as of recent we have now been dealing with challenges that in our lifetimes we have never known and in some ways that the church has never known, never dealt with such things as the technological aspects of the church and yet opportunity to propel the gospel has continued. Many have said it and I believe it bears repeating that the world is facing a time toward Christianity that it is some say more hostile than it's ever been, and I'm not sure that I believe that when I look at church history, but it is more hostile than it has ever been in my lifetime and maybe in most of yours. I'm quite certain that the next few years, should God tarry, will look increasingly more like the era that the church was birthed into rather than the Christendom that many of us were born into and have lived through. We live in a world that is increasingly hostile and now becoming even antagonistic toward Christianity. In the last week, we heard a president Stand and say, I will oppose all governors and local authorities that will prevent churches from being able to open around the world. Yet, even within our own state, in certain governmental authorities, have resisted the words of the president, and churches must remain closed, even this morning, when it was their intent and desire to be open. I am not certain that it is 100% because of concern toward an illness as it is hostility toward a church. In one of our neighboring states, a governor has stated the church will not open for months and will not open until he sees fit. And while they open bar rooms and porn shops, 
and every social gathering is possible except the gathering of the church. I would say this is a time that the world is becoming hostile and antagonistic toward Christianity. Many of our great universities have tried to push Christianity and Christian organizations that would bring prayer and Bible study off of their campuses. Yet, locally we have been blessed. And recently, speaking with Brother Isaac Sanchez, they recently were approved to be able to officially open a Bible study group once again on the Purdue campus. Right here in our own assembly, although our schools have not been able to meet, we have multiple groups and individuals who are declaring that they will open eye praise. And I challenge you students, when the schools resume, walk in with boldness and declare, we're going to have Bible study. We're going to have prayer. We're going to do everything in this day that's going to require people who are bold. And as we move forward, we don't have to be rude. We don't have to be mean. But we have to be bold. And we have to be firm. And we have to declare, this is my right and I'm going to stand upon it. The arrogant and in our face spirit of this age of the anti-Christian agenda is making its mark on society in a real way. Certain social groups have, ro- have risen in ways that they have never before in the last three to five and even ten years groups that we hardly heard from now are constantly standing and marching in Washington and capturing the cameras of the news media and declaring that their way must be accepted in society. But the good news is, is that in the midst of trying times, the church of the living God has always prevailed. As a matter of fact, the church hasn't only prevailed in the midst of trying times. The greatest day of revival and the greatest day of harvest has always been when the church was against all odds. In the beginning, in the book of Acts, you can read where some of the apostles were beheaded and were killed for preaching the gospel, thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, but yet the church spread like a prairie fire through a wilderness. I come this morning to tell you in the middle of trying times, the church will go forward and the church will grow. And I speak a word of faith to somebody today and tell you, stand strong, stand firm. The church is not going down, but the church will be victorious in these trying times. That's how we will go forward by faith. As we move forward, it is my belief that the mushy middle, people who are uncertain about where they stand, 
will find themselves dying a slow spiritual death. The era of Christian liberalism will eventually die off because it is a powerless heresy from the beginning. People who do not know what they believe and why they believe it and are not real sure that they want to have any boundaries in their Christian walk will find themselves living a Christian-less life. But the stronger forms of Christianity will rise to the forefront. And I believe in these last days that there has never been a day that the apostolic Pentecostal church is going to rise to the occasion like we have never seen in times before. Not all will go with us, but most will. And those that do are going to find a power that is endued from upon high that is going to give them the courage and the wisdom and the ability to move forward by faith. I'll speak for Christian Life Church. Let the world do what it wants. I'm not in opposition to government. I'm not in opposition to authority. But I will tell you that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as long as I'm in this pulpit and serving as pastor of this church, we're going to go forward by faith. We're going to hold the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ in the middle of opposition, in the middle of whatever may come our way. The church will prevail and we will Stay with the church. Richard Nubler, some 75 years ago, described the philosophy of the world even in that day, pre-1950. He described a Christianity that preached a God without wrath who brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment to a Christ without a cross. There has always been a price tag for truth. It cost blood and life in its inception, Jesus died on the cross to birth redemption for mankind. The church paid many great prices in its early formidable days. Churches didn't just spring up and flourish without a great price of life and health, and freedom, and liberty being stripped away from many. The church went through a season. If you study church history, you'll read about it, where the church literally had to go underground. They met silently, as they have in other countries. Even during the time that we have been worshiping in such incredible freedom, Around the world, 
There has been those, there have been those that have been meeting under the very watchful and critical eye. Missionaries who have even come to our pulpit have spoken to me and talked about some of their meetings in Bible studies and church services that are held quietly in the basement of homes with two or three people to try not to draw attention to what they have going on. I heard some of our missionaries that have been with us even more recently talk about some of the areas of the world where communism still abounds and yet the gospel is still being preached. I would venture to say that when we get reports of three and five and seven being baptized in Jesus' name in those countries would be the equivalent of tens of thousands of souls that have received salvation in countries that are open and without persecution. These people are propelling the gospel message forward knowing that if they are caught, knowing that if their cover is lifted off, that they will face jail, persecution, and possible death. But yet they love this message so much. They love this truth so much. They love what God is doing and how He is changing their lives so much that they are willing to risk even persecution to carry this message forward. I rise to this pulpit this morning to ask you to consider how much do you love this truth? How much do you love this message? Because as the church moves forward, I came to remind you that there may be, possibly will be, very possibly will be, a time when the church will have to decide how much salvation really means to you and to your household. Will we allow fear to keep us out of the house of God? Will we allow fear of persecution, fear of even death to keep us from worshiping God that has given us such freedom? Don't anybody get nervous this morning. Your pastor has not become an extremist. But I am rising to this pulpit today to remind you that as we go forward, we may never see the freedom and the freedoms that we have experienced in our, in our earlier years and days. As we go forward, we may find certain rules and laws and regulations that are inflicted upon the church that are born to create fear in your heart and birth as hostility toward Christianity and toward your worship and your freedom. I know you're thinking, Pastor, this is awfully heavy for a Sunday morning with all ages coming together. But I come to remind you that there are some things 
that we as a church can stand upon that would be noteworthy as we move forward in these trying days. First of all, I believe the lives of true Christians must be completely shaped by the gospel message. The first thing I want you to understand in preparing for the future is you will not find yourself in the, in the middle of this last day move of God if you find yourself living on the fringe. Your life is going to have to be completely shaped by this gospel message. This message is going to have to be not part of your life. It's going to have to be the center of your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things will be added. We got to put God first. We got to keep him at the center. Our life has to be totally shaped by the gospel. It doesn't matter what culture does, what society does, what the government does. My life must be shaped by the gospel. Number two, and I'll try to hurry along. Lunch is waiting. The church must become intentionally missional. The early church went out loving and serving the world around them. Even in the face of persecution, it blew the world away. It was such an incredible witness to the world around it that it, trans in, it transformed entire empires. Our lives must be marked by loving and serving those who are in our oikos or our surroundings or our community. If this community only knows CLC because of what we're selling as a fundraiser, then they don't know the face that they need to know of CLC. They need to know us as a church that is intentionally missional, intentionally reaching out, intentionally reaching our world, intentionally making ourselves vulnerable to them, intentionally going to where they are. The Bible said go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come. We must as a church break open our doors, break open our walls, break open our hearts, break open our homes and say we're a place of hope. We're a place of help. We're a place that cares. We're a place that'll meet you at the point of your need. No matter what your background, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what language you speak, we are a church that is intentional about reaching our world. Number three, I believe that the church and church leaders must become more intentional than we have ever been before about training and making disciples, training ministers, and sending people into the harvest field. This will become increasingly important. As we have experienced, oh, I got so much burning in my spirit this morning. 
as we have experienced this first shutdown. I will not prophesy, but I will say I will not be surprised if this is only the first of many such events that we will see as we move forward. The only way the church will survive it is we're going to have to have people that are ready. Our small groups need to be more than just fellowship events. We need to be prepared when we can only meet in groups of 10 or 25 to have people that are trained and ready to teach a Bible study, to gather people together, to baptize people. By the way, in case you don't know, we baptized two more on Wednesday night. In the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of the shutdown, I don't know the exact number, six or eight people over the last two months when we're not meeting in service, we are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. And I'm telling you, the church is continuing to move forward. In this day and age, we can't just have people pray a prayer and expect that they're going to find their way in the middle of this increasingly hostile world. But we must be teaching and training. Church leaders must rise among us and must focus their influence on spreading the gospel message, on teaching this word, on reaching and loving people. Number four, and I've got to hurry. Number four, we must relearn and, and rethink when we begin to speak to the lost world our methods and our ways. We must be cautious and we must be careful. While I stand in this pulpit and boldly declare this morning, I never want my boldness to outshine my love and my heart for fallen mankind. When I stand bold against sin, I hope that the love of God shines through greater than my boldness as I stand against sin. I come this morning with a pure heart to tell you we must think about how much we're loving and how we are approaching people. The days of anger and thumping our Bible and saying, but this is the only way. We're going to have to be careful with our approach. We don't change our message, but we got to be careful that our love and the grace of God shines greater than does our ability to be able to quote a scripture and prove somebody wrong in this holy text. We must be careful as we move forward. When I stand in this pulpit, I don't want to ever be so bold and so brazen that it is offensive to people and runs them away. Yet if through the love and grace of God, the word of God will be offensive and to those we keep loving and keep reaching to them and keep telling them God can change your life and your heart. Number five, I believe that we must be prayerful and we must be prepared to face and deal with persecution as the world becomes increasingly unfriendly to biblical Christianity. We will be forced to face the cost 
of Christianity. What the church has been experiencing over the last few weeks is not real persecution. I believe it was well-meaning. I believe it was in order. I believe it has been needed. But in the tendency of some people and certain governments, when people are given a little bit of authority, they will overstep their bounds and they will do more or reach further than what, need, what is needed. And this could bring on persecution in the future. The first grab for power was taken away in fear. The second grab for power will come easier and be accepted more quickly by the populace of society. Where will the church stand? So what the church has been experiencing, I do not believe, has been real persecution. But it could be setting the stage for some real worldwide persecution. The good news though is that the church will always be strengthened in the middle of persecution. You can go back and look at the Jewish people and you can look at the early church in the book of Acts and you can read Christianity for the last 2,000 years and you're going to find that the darker the night, the brighter shines the light because God never had to have the masses. He will send Gideon down and put people through a test and whittle down an army from 10,000 to 300 and take an entire nation. Give me a group of people that are sold out, that are prayerful, that are on fire, that are willing. And I'm telling you, it is a group of people that will change our world. Number six, everybody okay? I'll find a landing strip here in a minute. Number, number six, I believe that the church is going to be required to be more countercultural than we have ever been. I know you're thinking, I've lost my mind. I've been listening to the wrong preacher and reading the wrong books. But I've been in the Word of God. And I've been watching society. And culture is not moving toward Christianity. Church must not move forward as usual. The church must not reassemble as normal. The church must reassemble powerfully, prayed up, be in counterculture, let the world do what it wants to do, 
Let social media send out all the memes it want. Let every governmental authority send out whatever propaganda that they want. The church is going to have to counter the culture as we move forward for this end time revival. There will always be a remnant. It may not be popular, but there will always be a remnant that is going to come forward and be hungry and find salvation in these last days. There will always be a remnant. In our text, I'm quite confident that the prophet Jeremiah was not writing to this generation about running with soldiers and running with horses, nor was he writing to give instruction regarding how to cross rivers and streams. But Jeremiah was using an analogy in life to speak to us about serving the Lord. He says, if you can't run with footmen, then how will you contend to run with horses. But what Jeremiah was really saying is if you can't live for the Lord in the here and the now when things are seemingly good, then how will you serve Him when the real test and the real trial that is greater and more powerful than you when it really comes? On most days, the crossing of the Jordan River was no real feat. Eight to nine months out of the year, the Jordan River was just a docile little stream that could be waded across by anybody. It would be no sweat for one to cross. Even the weak and the frail could wade across the Jordan most of the time. One could walk across it in most places without ever getting to waist deep. Even the weak could walk across. They crossed the river on their journey from, Beth from Bethesda to Capernaum and from Philadelphia to Jericho. It was a common thing to cross the Jordan. It was a common thing for people to cross over in typical journeys. But only, only for, during uh, the, the season when the Jordan was just rolling by. But what about the swelling of the Jordan? The prophet begins to write about. As sure as the sun would rise in the eastern sky... The rains were going to come and it was going to cause the Jordan to swell. It no longer would be the docile little stream, but it would become a raging river. The once gentle flowing little brook would begin to rise and swell out of its banks. The once tame little branch would become a perilous raging torrent. A sane man wouldn't dare to cross the Jordan then. When the Jordan was swelling, there would no Nobody in their right mind would ever attempt to walk across the Jordan then for it would be far too treacherous. Jesus alludes to the times and the seasons and he mentions an amazing metamorphosis in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says to everything there is a season and he goes on to mention that there is a purpose to everything under heaven. Mentioned here in our text is the change to the river called Jordan. The Lord said if you can't run with footmen, how will you contend with horses? And by all means, what are you going to do when Jordan swells at its swollen tide? If you're complaining now, if you're losing faith now, child of God, 
I'm closing, I'm wrapping up, but I'm coming to tell you that if you're struggling to serve God now when things are just mediocre, if you're just struggling now to live for God when you're running with footmen, what are you going to do when the Jordan swells? What are you going to do when you have to contend with horses? What are you going to do as you move forward, child of God? Would there be some people that are in this room this morning that are listening online that have made up their mind? It doesn't matter what the world does. I'm going to stand with the Lord. I'm not going to lose faith in the middle of trying times. In the middle of this day, I'm going to hold on to God. If I can run with footmen now, perhaps by the help of God, I can contend with horses when that day comes. Stand with me all over the room today. I don't know who I've been talking to. I don't know who I've been preaching to per se. If there would be one individual or just the whole church. But I come this morning to ask you if there's one today that knows that you're not walking where you need to be with the Lord. If you don't know that you know. If your mind is not made up. If you have been wandering around in your life. I came this morning to ask you, would you consider repenting of your sins today? If you have never been baptized in the only saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have water ready, we have robes ready, we'll baptize you today and then we'll go have lunch afterward. But if there is somebody in this room today that has never repented of your sins, I want to open the front of this room for you first. You come forward. If you would like special prayer, if you'd like one of our ministers to pray with you, just come forward right now and gather across the front of this room. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to make up your mind right now while we sing this song through. I want you to make your decision and I'm going to give you an opportunity. And when we do, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Lord and you're going to be preparing yourself for the future because the church is going to stand in trying times. The church is the only way out of this world. It is our hope of glory. It is our hope of glory all over this room right now. Why don't you lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord. Commit, recommit to Him. These altars are open if anyone would like to pray.
come on for the next few minutes let's just turn this whole house into a prayer room here just for a moment let's just seek the Lord for a few moments right where you are just seek the Lord for a few moments let the Holy Ghost flow let the Lord touch